Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Joel Gregory continues in his Power Pack series entitled Non-Negotiables. Make sure to share this with your friends and your followers. Let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. So let's get into this today. Uh, We're talking about non-negotiables. And the definition is not open to negotiation or discussion. How many of you know we won't be able to have dialogue with God over certain things? It's just it's what he said it is, and it's our job to honor that and to obey that. And so uh, our foundation text is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And again, I don't have time to say everything I said up to this point, but we've had three sessions, so I do encourage you to go back and listen to them. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11 says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Inherit is the king, key word there. So we know he's talking about eternal life. And then he gives this admonition or this warning. He says, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So he reiterates that and puts emphasis on it. And then he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now, we know the word deceived means to roam from safety, truth, or virtue. It means to go astray or to err or to be seduced in a different direction, to wander out of the way. And so what we've been talking about up to this point is context is king. So we looked at everything the Scripture said up until that point. We looked at everything that it said after that to get a better understanding of what Paul was talking about in verses 9 through 11. And Paul put no better, no more emphasis on any of those than he did the other. So the extortioner is no different than the adulterer in the kingdom of God. Everybody clear on that, right? It's all the same to God, right? And then from there, we looked at uh, Christians taking Christians to court, uh, which was the text prior to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We looked at the real uh, problem, which is they were basically judging other people for what they were doing wrong, but not really holding themselves accountable for the things that they were doing wrong. I mean, we can't go after the world if we do the same stuff that the world does. Right? And so you'll see today, God just wants a special people. God wants a people that he can show off. He wants a people that, that can literally, he can hold them up like trophies and say, if you want to see the right way to do something, look at my children. That's really all he's after. Okay? And so, category one we looked at for the last two weeks, which were sins done in the body. Well, another way to say that, these are sins that we do to ourselves. And so, again, I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to the church. So regardless of what the world teaches the world, what God teaches the church is that these behaviors uh, start in our heart, right? And then we begin to act them out. And the way that they get in our heart is through our eye gate, our ear gate, and our mouth gate, right? And then once they get in our heart, then we begin to act out those behaviors. But all of those sins that we looked at are really sins that are done in the body or sins that we do to ourselves. We'll pick up with point number three today, uh, which is really uh, five other sins. Uh, And these are all sins done outside of the body, or we can look at it this way. These are sins that we do to other people. Okay, so the first five are what we do to ourselves. The second list of five are what we as Christians do to other people. Who am I talking to? The church, church, right? Who am I not talking to? Okay, I just want to again make that clear. So now let's read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 10 again and we'll get into our new information for today. So it says, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers nor extortioners will 
inherit the kingdom of God. So let's look at A here. Letter A, you can follow along. All these notes are in the, uh, either the YouVersion Bible app, the Linked Up Church app. You can go to our website. But I pray that you follow along. Look at each verse because, again, Paul is writing this to the church. And so now, thieves is the first one. Now, it's interesting that he introduces the sec second group with thieves, right? So if we can kind of master the first area how many know it'll probably keep us out of the other stuff? How many of y'all have ever stolen something in your life before? Oh, Lord. Like eight people raised their hand. How many of y'all have ever stolen something? Go, okay, when you were a child. How many of y'all have raised your hand so you can look around? Everybody has, right? So let's kind of understand this a little bit. All right, and so thieves. By definition, this speaks of people who have made a way of life, right, out of taking what belongs to someone else. So they made this a way of life, right, by taking what belongs to someone else. So what I'm not talking about here is how someone accidentally takes a pen. You know how you say, let me borrow your pen for a moment, right, and they give you their pen. How I many know you... you I, it's probably pens in my office right now that are Minister Johnny's that he brought down for a meeting or, or my admin, Joni, that they brought down for a meeting and I accidentally kept those. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the one that says, ooh, I like that pen. <laughs> How many y'all know there's a difference? Come on, don't leave me out here by myself, right? Ooh, that pen right there. Now you're getting over into something else right there, right? Okay, so the person that's a thief deliberately, they make plans to do this, right? They find a way to take something and have no intent on ever returning it, right? And the scripture is very clear. For Christians who practice these things, they cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Eternal life is not in their future if they practice these things. Now, let's look at Thank you for that hand clap back there in the back. Thank you. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let's look at a few scriptures here. Ephesians 4, 28, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says here, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor. So, so the solution to stealing is to get a job. Real simple, right? So, so then this would also tell us people who steal don't want to work. So biblically, if you study the scripture, the scripture talks about a man that does not work should not eat. See, and parents, we can't be feeding grown people. Who don't want to work. So let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor working with his hands what is good. Now we see motive for working. So that he may have something to give to him who has a need. So God expects us to work so that we can help other people. Not steal so that we make their lives worse. All right, and then Exodus chapter 20. That's self-explanatory. I don't need to spend a whole lot of time there. Uh, I used to be a thief. Hello, my name is Joe Gregory. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I was a thief. I've been free for 33 years now. But I used to steal. I used to steal cars, breaking houses. Uh, we used to get bomber jackets back in Detroit, bust the pockets out Kev, you, you, you remember bust the pockets out the bomber jackets, go in the store and, and literally put everything we wanted inside the pockets, slide it around to the back so if somebody come and pat us down, I don't have nothing, right? <laughs> then go get a penny candy, pay for it at the, at the thing, so you spend one penny and you walk out with just a coat full of stuff. <laughs> how many know God is good? <laughs> come on, I said, how, how many of y'all know God is good? So what I'm telling you is God can deliver you. 
right? And then I just want to share this story to encourage someone. The last time I was in the eighth grade, I got caught stealing, and the police brings me home, brings me uh, to the front door, and they ask my mother, is this your son? And she says, it's my mother. Now, not say none of that. She said, boy, that boy is going to do something great one of these days to the police officer, right? Takes me in the house, right? Takes you know this story. Takes me back in the back bedroom. Now, when none of us are Christians, she pulls out this old dusty Bible. She says, put your hand on this Bible and promise God you'll never steal again. Watch this. I put my hand on the Bible, promise God I'd never steal again. Eighth grade. To this day, I have never stolen anything ever again. And then she said, now go outside and play. That was interesting. So she sent me right back outside to put me in the environment that the police just brought me home for. But it was something about her trusting me in that moment that I never did it again. Let her be. Covetous. So the second thing he says here after thieves is covetous. So think about it. A thief now begins to think about what other people have that they don't have that I can take from them and get from myself. Okay? But, but for Christians, I'm going to show it to you a little different way, right? Because a lot of us don't do that, but I'm going to show you what we do do. Do do. That didn't sound. <laughs> but I'll show you what we do covetous. So this would speak of those who inordinately want what, they're, what they aren't supposed to have and who are willing to do wrong in order to get it. Okay, so let me read it again. Now the key here is inordinately. inordinately. So that means now it has taken over you and you have to have this at all cost. Alright? And so read that definition again. This, this uh, speaks of those who inordinately want what they're not supposed to have and who are even willing to do wrong in order to get it. Let's read Luke chapter 12, verse 15. New King James Version says, And he said to them, again, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, New King James Version, And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. But if you look at our society today, they want you to believe that if you don't drive a certain type of car, if you don't wear certain kind of clothes, come on somebody, if you don't wear a certain type of jewelry, there's something wrong with you and right with everyone else. Right? If you listen to music today, it's all about what I have. It's all about, right? It's all about that. And the Bible is telling us your life doesn't consist of anything that you possessed. Right? And so when I get to this next part, you'll understand where I'm going to this. Say that to yourself. My life, My life does, not does not consist of what I possess. What I possess. All right? Remember this. You came into this world naked. And guess how you're going out? Naked. No one has ever said, right, roll up behind my hearse a U-Haul with all of my stuff in it. You know what people talk about if they get the opportunity to talk about it at the end? Their loved ones. Right? And so instead of buying stuff, why don't you create memories with your family? Because watch this. Your memories will go with you. Your stuff will stay here in the earth. Come on, I need a little better amen on that one right there, right? Okay, now watch this. Now, I'm going to show you where I'm going with this, right? Remember, your life doesn't consist of the abundance of things. Now, you should desire nice things, but you don't have to desire them in abundance. You don't have to have every pair of whatever, right? When you get to a point and you haven't worn stuff and used stuff in months and years, you need to bless somebody that's less fortunate than you are. Right? You, you got multiple cars laying around and they just sitting there collecting dust. Probably two of them are for somebody else. All right? Exodus chapter 20 verse 17 says, New King James Version. Exodus 20 17 says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. So what he's telling you here, a lot of the houses we buy today is because we went and visited somebody else's house. 
and say, I don't have a house like that. Now I'm going somewhere with this. So, so, so now we begin to do what's called uh, chasing after the Joneses. Because everybody in my environment lives like this. Should not cover your neighbor's wife. My wife don't dress like that. My wife don't. My wife don't. You see how people start getting caught up? My husband don't. My husband don't. My husband don't. You see, all I'm doing is taking what God has blessed me with and comparing it to something else. Watch this. Instead of loving what God blessed me with and making it the best that it can be. See, so now we start treating each other based off of what you don't have instead of what you do have. We still in church today? You all still glad you came? Let me tell you what I'm glad about. You came back. Come on, let's give God glory for that right there. Come on, somebody give God glory for that. I didn't know if it'd just be me, my wife, and my daughter here this week. I'm going real slow with this now. Watch this now. No shall you cover your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, female servant, nor his ox. This is all his stuff. Nor anything that is your neighbor's. So a lot of times what creates covetousness in us is paying attention to what other people have and comparing that to what we don't have. All right, so now, where did the Holy Spirit lead me with this today? Because a lot of us get that part, but we don't get this part. And I had to write all of this down just so that I say everything the way I really want to say it. So I believe the, the obvious indication here is that this sin has become a lifestyle practice in someone's life. I wrote this down on purpose, right? Because if a person practices this as a lifestyle, they're usually in deep debt. Because they use credit to finance a life that they can't afford. Now, what I'm not saying is that debt is sin. But when you charge up more than what you actually make and can afford to pay back, then you've gotten over in the sin. And so God's will for your life is to really owe no man nothing but to love him. So let's start talking about, again, I'm not teaching on finances, but you can create disposable income. Right? And if you discipline yourself to say to yourself, if it's not in my bank account, I can't afford it. Which means I won't charge it if it's not already in my bank account. So that when the bill shows up 30 days later, I can pay it in full. When you adopt that as a lifestyle and you start thinking payments instead of freedom, you're in trouble. Because remember, what salespeople sell are payments. They just want to see how much you make so that they know how much you can pay. Watch this. And then they're going to figure out a way to get it where you need it to be. And they'll backload it. Come on, somebody. All kind of stuff they'll creatively do. And then we'll say, God bless me with a new car. All right, so, so now listen to this very carefully. I wrote all of this down. So anytime you enter into a financial obligation that you cannot honor, you are manifesting the sin of covetousness. Can I read that again? What did I just say? Okay, I'll read it again. <laughs> you all went. So anytime you enter, enter into a financial obliga- obligation that you cannot honor, you are manifesting the sin of covetousness. 
right? And now remember what the scripture just said. When you practice that, you cannot inherit eternal life. And I'm going to tell you why. You got to go back into the entire other area because now you're depending on the world system, which you've made an idol instead of God's system. And so, so now my lust is driving me to get something that I can't afford, putting me in financial trouble instead of waiting on God to manifest that and so see, do things his way. Come on, somebody. And then you end up paying less for it or he'll end up touching somebody's heart to bless you with it. All right. Now, I'm doing all right? Can I come down on the floor? I'll be down there in a minute. Let me stay up here for right now. Okay, let's talk about letter C, drunkards. Did you all know Christians drink? Not in linked up church. I'm talking about other Christians. All right, let's talk about this now. Drunkards. So, so again, I want you to let's go back to the first one, right? So, 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 again, I'm only talking about where I come from. A lot of times we'd have to alter our mindset to go out and do the stealing. You see how all this runs together? So we got to do something to get, get our mind right. So we can, yeah, go, yeah, go. So we can go round up some stuff. Because in our mind, we, had, we were working. So we got to go to work. Sad, isn't it? Somebody stretch your hands towards growing up in Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> all right? And so drunkards, let's talk about this. These are those that are addicted to alcohol. See, when you can't function without it. You're not right until you get a drink. I need a drink to settle my nerves. But I want to show you that the Greek word here could also refer to, now again, I don't know how popular I'm getting ready to be, but the, but the overuse of weed, marijuana. I know it's legal now, but it's legal for medicinal purposes. It is legal for just enjoyment. But, but let me keep going. You'll see where I'm going with this. Illegal drugs. And again, this is one that the society doesn't want us as Christians to know about. The abuse of over-the-counter drugs and medications. Watch this, which is worse than everything else I just told you about. My wife and I will sit and watch a commercial, and the commercial will say, if you take this, the side effects may be that you might go blind, you might lose your hair. If you feel like you can stop breathing, go see a doctor. And we like, give me two of them. Don't we, baby? We sit there and watch the commercial and listen to, because see, they, legally they have to tell you this stuff now. Before they used to, they, they hid it from you, right? And, and so I want you to understand why it's wrong with God because, again, we're depending on something to control us other than God. So let's read some verses here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, New Living Translation says, and my uncles and them, they use this one on me every time I go home. This is their verse right here. Don't be drunk with wine. See, nephew, he said, I'm not drunk right now. This is my family. But my family, man, thank God. I love, I love my family. But, but how you know, when your family will pull out the Bible on you and say, nephew, you read Ephesians chapter 5, didn't you? Verse 18. Didn't you read that, nephew? Then they'll throw this one on me. They'll say, nephew. Now, Jesus' first miracle. What was his first miracle? So, of course, I got to think about that one for a minute. What was his first miracle? Well, they were at a party, weren't they? And Jesus' mother, now his mother said, my son can fix this. And this is my family, right? And then they'll say, when the, when the wine ran out, nephew, what did Jesus do? And then they'll say, he made more. Now somebody run to the store and pick up another. Uh, 
That's my family. <laughs> so notice the contrast here. He says, and be not drunk with wine. Watch this. Because it will ruin your life. New Living Translation. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So notice the contrast here, right? The literal Greek there is be being filled. So how many know there's one initial infilling, but there are many refillings, right? And so it's no different, right? What people do in the world is they drink alcohol to become something that they're not, right? We're supposed to spend time in prayer, praying in other tongues, praying in the spirit, building ourselves up on our most holy faith so we can become what he designed us to be. Come on, somebody. Come on, just like the song said today. And the more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend in the Word, we literally become something that only He can design us to be. And I came to tell somebody today, there is no high like the most high. You don't even have a clue of what it's like to be out in the heavenly realms. Come on somewhere. Seeing things that only God can show you and, and causing you to dream in a way that only God can cause you to dream. Come on, somebody. And that all he's saying is don't do that. Do this. Christians. So when you feeling, when you start feeling down, don't go to the bottle, go to the Bible. Come on, somebody. Come on, whatever you're being challenged with, when you're depressed, when you're lonely, oppressed, whatever it is, don't turn to alcohol and drugs. Turn to the Bible. Now, I had to write this down. Anytime other than a doc, un, 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 anytime other than being under a doctor's supervision, when we allow any chemical or substance to have control of us, listen very carefully. We are deliberately taking the control of ourselves away from God and the Holy Spirit. And those who practice that, wow. Because all he's saying is you're taking something cheap and you're replacing me with that. Now, let's talk about revilers. Now, this one, I, I mean, I, I missed this one. I didn't, I didn't study this long enough and, and well enough over my saved life. Revilers. Anybody know what that means without looking at the notes? Talk to me, Dorian. What does that one mean? <laughs> Say, that's why you came to church today, right? <laughs> to learn. Johnny, what does that one mean? Revilers. Okay, you just ready. You just got ahead, okay? This is so interesting to me because when you understand it, it'll bless you. This basically refers to someone who rails at others, who is an evil speaker. Listen to this. So these are sins of the mouth. So it can refer to someone who speaks gossip, who slanders other people, evil speakers, tale bearers, those given to verbal outbursts. Anybody just one off on somebody lately? Don't raise your hand. Look, I didn't ask anybody to raise their hand. Folks starting to go. But, 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 but you see how we don't really understand because what we're saying is the Holy Spirit can't control our mouths. So remember this, folks. He does not give you a license to go off on another believer, especially your spouse, children, parents, siblings, co-workers, co-members, pastors. Pastors can't just talk to congregants any kind of way they want to. All right, let's read a few verses here. Now that you all are so excited today. Man, 
I think I've been in church 33 years, and this, this level of energy <laughs> is unmatched. <laughs> if you all could just feel it like I feel it, I mean, it is, it is just powerful. Somebody give God a real good hallelujah praise in this church, right? So you can see what's happened is when we no longer talk about this in church, we become this in the church. That'll preach right there all by itself, right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, King James Version says this, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. So notice our behavior typically follows our mouth. Would you all agree with that? I say something, then I do something. Right? And then it's on, right? So, So think about this. I say something, and I do something. So I need to think about what I say, because that's going to control what I do. Everybody clear? How many of y'all say, I can grow in this area? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you know you can grow in this area. Look, look at him again. Now look at him again. Same one. Say, you. P- poke at him right now. You. You know you can grow in this area. Now, the Passion Translation reads this way. Same verse, Passion Translation says, Stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. So now let's look at it a little differently. What I say impacts what I do. But also who I hang around influences what I do. So if I'm around a whole lot of stuff, I'm probably a whole lot of stuff myself because we are what we hang around. I don't want to judge them, though. We've been friends since we were, okay. However you want to justify it. So notice the companionship corrupts the morals and the character. So I, I literally become who I hang around. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, King James Version says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And he tells you the opposite. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. So I need to think about, because see, I can still say what I want to say, but I can say it in a way that builds up and not tears down. So the goal there is to think about it so that when I say it, it edifies and it's going to minister grace to the person that's hearing it, okay? Passion translation reads this way, and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them, okay? Now let's practice that. Look at your neighbor. And speak grace over their lives. Tell them something beautiful. Tell them, compliment them. Build them up. If shouldn't be hard to do. Look at all the smiles around the room. See, we're making, we're, we're, we're helping each other do better. Okay. And I want to submit this to everyone in the room today. There's nine times out of ten more good in the person than there is bad. Don't let Satan cause you to just focus on the bad. Celebrate the good. Right? No one is perfect, right? But no one is as bad as we make them out to be. Colossians chapter 3 verse 8 says, King James Version, But now you also put off all of these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. And I want to get here. Filthy communication out of your mouth. 
How many of y'all know Christians cuss? This is where I'm coming down on the floor. I said, how many of y'all know Christians cuss? Yeah, if you don't say a better amen than that, you're going to run this service over today. I said, how many of y'all know Christians cuss? All right, and the scripture teaches us that sweet and bitter shouldn't come out of the same fountain. Right? I almost want to ask a show of hands in here. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Keisha said, don't do it. I knew you always say that, but I'm listening. Especially during football season. Let me go back on the stage. How many of y'all know Christians cuss? And see, people who know we're Christians see that. And then we say you want to come to church with me on Sunday. Now, if you were like me, you know, cussing was like normal English. I grew up in an unsaved household, so you just cussed. And, you know, they teach you to cuss at, at like a young age. Say this. And then everybody started laughing, so you say it some more, right? And you're just about this big, right? And so playing sports and cussing, just for me, just kind of, you know, you're cussing. You don't want none of this, my boy. Whatever. We just cussing all day. So imagine playing at the park all day and just cussing all day. Then I get saved. And I get saved, and my pastor want to go play basketball. How many of y'all know what's getting ready to happen right here, right? And so sure enough, we get to play and it gets competitive, right? And, and back then, I could jump a little bit. So I come weak side and he beat my pastor off the dribble and he going, he talking, jumping my pastor. I come get it. And at the top of my young lungs, I yell, get that out of here, mother. <laughs> True story. And I just went. True story. My pastor said, well, it's okay. And he gave me Ephesians 4.29. And he said, put, he said, put that on a three-by-five card. True story. And I want you to confess that every day. Right? And, and so it took me about three years to stop cussing. I'm just being transparent. Okay? And I've been saved 33 years. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is powerful. I have not said a cuss word in 30 years. Not even accidentally. Not even playing around. Not even let it slip out my mouth. Have you ever heard me cuss? She's been married to me 25 years. That's my daughter. Have you ever heard a cuss word come out of my mouth? She's 22 years old. Never heard a cuss. I haven't cussed in 30 years. Now, can I, can I be transparent? I want to sometimes. <laughs> Because it had just helped me make my point a little better. But the Holy Spirit controls me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, so I'm sharing this with you to show you we don't have to, as Christians, think that this is just a part of being a Christian. That I cuss. It should be different, right? We should be in environments and people say, I notice you don't cuss like everybody else. I notice you don't talk like everybody else. I notice your mouth isn't filthy like everybody else's mouth. And personally, ladies, I just think it's just never cute when a woman cusses all the time. That's just me personally. That's not Bible. That's just me personally. I just, I don't know what it is about that. I just, it's just not cute. All right, extortioners, since you all are so excited about those things. 
Extortioners can be referred to as swindlers. Now, we don't have to spend any time here at all because this is what we use to set this up. And a swindler refers to those who, rather than taking things by thievery, they employ other ways by using threats and deception. Right? And so pyramid schemes run through churches. Business ideas run through churches. But they're not legally set up. Hello, somebody. People come to church with their business cards to give out and all of this kind of stuff to try to take advantage of Christians in the name of being a Christian. So how many you know just because they're called, they, they call their business Paul's Construction Company? Doesn't mean that's a Christian running that business. So that's why when we start our business directory, not only will they have to be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, have joined the church, gone through next steps classes, hello somebody, and currently serving on a dream team or in a connect group. But you just can't join the church and say, I want to be in the business directory. Because <laughs> we're not going to let you take advantage of our people. All right. And so that's all that was. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 8, he was so upset about this that he said, instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong, and you do that to your fellow brothers and sisters. You cheat each other. Yes. Right? And so this can manifest in all kind of different ways. Somebody goes to get their car fixed. You don't do the work that you told them you were going to do, but you expect the full payment. Somebody goes to get their hair done. You put the wrong kind of hair in. They come back. They complain about it. <laughs> All kind of stuff, right? You go to get your nails done. They wanted a certain style. You did something different. How many of this stuff goes on all the time? All right, let's close here for the day. Everybody gets that one. Now, we'll close with, notice Paul emphasized, do not be deceived. Is that right? Okay, let's talk about that because Jesus said in the last days, deception was going to be a major thing that Satan would use. And so in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5, verse 11 and verse 24, in one text there, he warns the disciples four times. And he says here in verse 4 and 5, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come, not a few, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And these are the people that say, I stand here uh, authorized by God to speak on behalf of God to you. Yes. Right? And this is what made this dangerous years ago when pastors stood up. And this was a, a, a really a organization of thousands of people when they said we will no longer use negative words in the sanctuary. I think that did more damage to the body of Christ than good. Because everything I just read to you over the last four weeks is in the Bible. Right? So I'm showing you something. Many false prophets will rise up and they'll deceive many. For false Christ and false prophets will rise up and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. The word elect means chosen, right? So every time you hear something, you need to compare it to the word of God. And if it's not consistent with this, don't follow it. I don't care how great they are. I don't care how many people they're reaching. I don't care how large they are. Take everything you hear. And compare it to this. Right? And I'll go a step further. If they can't show it to you in here, I definitely wouldn't have nothing to do with that. Okay? I'm telling you to say, Pastor, you really shouldn't tell people this. No, I'm telling you this so you'll know fake from real. Right? See, because this is what people tell me. If this was about money, I wouldn't minister this to you. I make you feel good every week. But this is not about money. Listen to this. This is about your soul. 
This, this is about your eternity. Okay. Let me close with these thoughts. So another way we might be deceived, and I wrote all of this down. Music department, you can get yourself together. Another way we might be deceived is by accepting what our ungodly people say about our sin. Right? Because it's our family members, our friends. We know a lot of people who are caught up in a lot of these lifestyles. Right? And it's what they say about it. And it's so close to the truth, right? Because love really, love, God is love, right? That's what people will say. This, I, I get in this one all the time. They say, isn't God love? So you're telling me God doesn't love me? I'm saying, no, absolutely God loves you. But he'll judge that sin. And I'm not going to call it what he didn't call it. Okay, listen very carefully. Even though the Bible teaches us that persistence in these sins will keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God, we can allow the values and priorities of this world to make us think otherwise. Such people can be deceived by the unbelieving world's approval of the sins that Jesus died to save us from. And so a lot of these, because these are our celebrities and our heroes, and they condone these things. Hello, somebody. Because they stand up and they vote for and they say I'm for and, and, and we support and I'm voting for and I'm standing with. Hello, somebody. And, and they are millionaires and billionaires. We think because they did it, it must be okay. I'm telling you, if Jesus didn't sign off on that, it's not okay. Regardless of their celebrity status. Okay. I wrote all this down so I don't miss anything. So what a terrible thing it would be for many who persist in these sins to find that on the day of judgment, I followed a celebrity other than Jesus. And I missed eternal life because I followed what was popular and not what was truth. We should never be deceived about this matter, all right? God's word is clear. Now, I'm getting ready to say something here. Judge this, Emmanuel. Everybody here, judge this. I'm telling you, the message of grace has done more damage to the church than good. And it became the modern day, once saved, always saved. And judge me with everything I'm getting ready to close with today. Listen to this. We should never be deceived about this matter. God's word is clear. We cannot have a relationship with Jesus, listen to this, who is the Savior from sins and at the same time hold on to the very sins he died to save us from. Oh, my God. Come on, somebody stretch their hands towards me right now. Because it takes boldness and courage to say this stuff. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again because some of you all, it, it, it didn't hit you right. We should never be deceived about this matter. God's word is clear. We cannot have a relationship with Jesus who is the Savior of our sins and saved us from our sins. And at the same time, hold on to the very sins he died to save, save us from. Something about that has a lot of deception in it when we think that way, right? That I can hold on to what he saved me from. Then why did he come? Why did he get beaten like that? What's the point? Okay? Now, let's close here. Let's look at this whole, what, this whole grace thing. Minister Russell, please judge this. All these, all these are Bible people here. Judge this. Okay? Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, New Living Translation says... God saved you by his grace when you believed. So how did God save you? By his grace. So, so we're really not saved by faith. We're saved by grace. And our faith responds to that. Right? Grace is what he did for us. Faith is what we do. So if we're saved by faith, then it's our works that got us saved. If we're saved by grace, it's what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection that saved us, and our faith responded to that. Everybody clear? Stay with me. 
So God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. So salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the sinful things he planned for us long ago. Is that what it says? What does it say? So that we can do what? So that we can do the what? So then we should be able to define what good is. Because he planned it, right? So it should be clear in the Bible, right? If he planned it, we should be able to define it. Let's read it in the Amplified Version. For we're God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we should do those works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Good life, right? Good life, right? Good life, right? Good life, right? So then grace, salvation by grace gives us a good life. So somewhere else in this Bible, I should find a complimentary text that teaches us the good life that this grace gives us. Right? If I'm exegeting this properly, if you've been to Bible school, I cannot say that and not go to a complimentary text that now teaches us about what grace gives us in this salvation. Go to Titus chapter 2. So glad you all came to church today. Titus chapter 2. New King James Version says, For the grace of God that brings salvation. What brings salvation? Now I got another one for you. Who is the grace of God? Jesus. Jesus is the grace of God. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Who appeared to all men? Jesus. Okay, let's keep reading. And then, then this grace through Jesus teaches us something. Teaching us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. That's what grace teaches us. It doesn't cover us. Hello, somebody. It teaches us. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Amen. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Why did you give yourself for us, Jesus? That he might redeem us from every lawless deed. And purify for himself his own special people. Zealous for good works. There's that good works again. So then the good works are people who don't live lawless lives. And they're special and dear to him. So that he can say, if you ever want to see what a godly marriage looks like, look at theirs. If you ever want to see what a godly man looks like, look at him. It's no different with Job. He said, have you tried my servant, Job? Because he knew what was in him. See, folks, God is jealous for us, man. He wants to use us to show the world the right way to do things. Not conform to the world, but be transformed into the image of his dear son. Can I read some more of this? Then he says, speak these things. Exhort, rebuke with all authority and let no one despise you. You know what I had to go home to last weekend? People making up fake uh, social media pages and sending me pornographic images. Let me tell you something. That's people that's sitting right in this room and watching right online. Somebody took one of these people that was just right up here in the choir, copied her page. I said, baby, don't you know this person? And I'm glad I didn't do what I was going to do with it because I was going to post you up on this screen right here. That's where we're at today as a body, folks. 
That's where we're at. Because I ministered that last Sunday. And then people attacked right back. And they sent some of the most God-awful stuff you ever want to see. Hoping that I'd open it up or watch it so that they could screenshot it and then post something else showing that I read it or watched it and say, see, he's up preaching this, but he's living this. Because right? we live in this what's called cancer culture. But I got news for you. There's not one weapon formed against me. Come on, I need somebody to get behind that. Come on, I need somebody to get behind. There's not one weapon formed against me that's ever going to prosper. Come on, and if you don't stand up and praise God, I'm getting ready to think it was you that sent me that stuff. Come on, somebody ought to give God glory in this place. Come on, somebody ought to praise God in this place. I'm just going to close here. I'm out of time. It's, it's actually already 2.30 or 11.30. You're like, 2.30? He's been going a long time. Let me read that to you in the Passion Translation, right? So, 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 so I don't know how we got to the place where grace, long as you're under grace, you can do whatever you want to do. I don't know how we got there. See, these are people who thousands of people follow. Who are making them feel good in their situations. Listen to the passing translation. Let's all stand to our feet. It's my last verse for the day. Same verse. I just want to read it in the passing translation. You all still glad you came today? Did you learn anything today? Okay. Listen to this. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person. Bringing salvation for everyone. This same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. And it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. So either what he died and gave us is good enough or it's not. For we continue to look forward to the joyful fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the anointed one. He sacrificed himself that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify to himself a people who are his very own passionate, very own passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. Listen to what he says here. So preach these truths. Don't take them out of the worship center. So preach these truths and exhort others to follow them. Be willing to expose sin in order to bring correction with full authority. Watch this. Without being intimidated by anyone. So if that was you that sent me that, I'm not intimidated by you. Because if God be for me, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let's all lift our hands to the Father. God wants a special people. That's why he brought you here today, because you are special to him. And now he wants to make your life special to everyone around you. He wants to make you different and separate from the world. He wants to take your life and make something so beautiful out of it that without you ever witnessing the people, people will just look at your life and say, what must I do to be saved? How can I have that in my life? I want that joy. I want that zeal. I want that authority. I want that peace in my life. I want my needs met. Well, I'm telling you, God can do all of that through salvation. I don't care what the world is telling you. God loves you. And his spirit is powerful enough to save you and deliver you from whatever it is that you're caught up in. All you've got to do is give him a chance. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. 
Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we wanna invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I wanna lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.